Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. Well, we find ourselves just a few days away from Thanksgiving again, and everything continues to be unsettled and unsettling. These are indeed such strange times. And that's precisely why we reached out to psychologist and author Dr. Maggie Mulqueen after we read her post on NBC Think titled, COVID means Thanksgiving and Christmas will be a bummer. Don't make it worse by urging joy. We wanted to talk about the psychological impacts of this time in our lives on these upcoming holidays. And get some advice from a practicing psychologist about things we can do to help ourselves and each other to pivot, reframe, and hopefully actually enjoy this holiday season. We originally recorded this interview a year ago, thinking it would be the one and only pandemic Thanksgiving in our lives. Yet, here we are. In spite of the vaccinations, boosters, and loosening restrictions, things are still peculiar and challenging. Here now is Dr. Maggie Mulqueen giving her voice to depression. Dr. Mulqueen says that even in more typical times, for her and most other therapists, November through March is the busiest time in their patient calendars. Uh, Well, I think it's the combination of it's winter and the major holidays. So, you know, the seasonal affective disorder that many of us experience um, with the shorter days, the colder temperatures, um, you know, the things that we think of as cozy mean being indoors, windows closed, doors closed, which we're now being told is unsafe. And it's also the time that people typically do have more vacation time and can travel further if they need to, to be with loved ones. This is a hard thing to give up. Mulqueen says typically her patients start talking about celebrating the holidays around August. She says after canceling gatherings because of the pandemic, they held out hope that maybe they'd see family members around the holidays. And anticipating that some still aren't comfortable or able to gather can be a tipping point, leading many, she says, to despair. There are some people for whom having the holidays be difficult is a new experience, and they don't have, you know, a skill set, if you will, to bring to that because they they have, you know, a life history where the holidays have been joyful. There's something, they're a highlight of their calendar. They look forward to many people have put off less important get-togethers. You know, they might have typically see family over the summer or something like that, thinking, oh, but certainly by, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, we'll be able to do what we always do. And now finding that they can't is 
leaves them really depressed and kind of without a way of approaching it because they've never had to think differently about the holidays. And then, Mulqueen says, there are the people who, for any number of reasons, have always found this time of year and the holidays difficult. To perhaps avoid it, they have spent Thanksgiving volunteering to serve meals or having Friendsgiving instead of family gatherings. Even people who have had coping skills for managing um, the holiday blues, many of them are feeling deprived of their usual ways of managing the holidays. And in between are those who enjoy, but don't wait all year for, the occasion to share time, space, and traditions with family or friends. Mulqueen writes, home for the holidays doesn't have quite the same ring when we've been stuck at home with each other. She writes, any place but home is some people's holiday wish this year. And then the third category, I'd say, is people who typically look forward to the holidays as a chance to see people when they've already been living with those people now unexpectedly for months. You know, so we have students who should have been off at college, but they've been living at home, or young adults who have jobs but or don't have jobs who've been, you know, home. And so I think for many of us, one of the um, impacts of the pandemic has been that every day feels the same. It's very hard to have something feel different. And so, you know, if I've already been seeing these people 24-7, why is Christmas Day, for example, going to feel any different? Dr. Mulqueen says there's probably not a single family whose holidays have not or will not be altered by this strange time, some very significantly. And of course, you know, most dramatically are those people who have lost family members due to the pandemic. And the time is passing, so they're going to be those empty seats at the table, but there's really been no good way to acknowledge the losses either. Opportunities to acknowledge loss or gains and accomplishments, have certainly changed and increased since a year ago. Still, it seems fitting to revisit some professional advice for managing our mental health through the upcoming holidays. I think that the first thing, and this is really a central point to me about holiday cheer in general, is to allow people to not have the Hallmark card feelings. And I think one of the most important ways to do that is to get out of this notion that there's only one good way to celebrate things, you know, the sense that there's a right way and a wrong way. Right and wrong in this context is all about black and white thinking, either or. The holidays should be the way they've always been, or they're going to be horrible. Therapists like Mulqueen believe we'll all have an easier time dealing with well, life in general, if we can learn to simultaneously hold two seemingly conflicting thoughts and allow for both. There might be fewer people at your Thanksgiving Day table, and it could be joyful. There may be some heartache, and there may be moments of gratitude that rather than saying, unless we have, you know, a slew of people and are passing around food, like that's the only way to celebrate. And I think we can tolerate and allow, let alone support or encourage people to have a full array of feelings. So, you know, it's a both and. It's not saying 
It's going to be miserable because we're not all together, but nor do I have to have some kind of phony sense of, isn't this just great? And I think through that, then there's a path to have it not feel either inauthentic or as just a complete loss. And is that the same advice for people living with or newly experiencing depression? Well, I think if your baseline is already one of depression, I think it is really important to acknowledge that and to hopefully have a trusted person or two in your life, be they, you know, friends, family, professionals, where you can bring your full authentic self and say, I see the decorations in the store, I hear the music, the holiday movies are playing on TV. And I just don't have the energy this year in particular to participate. And I think when we can be authentic and when there is someone in our life who is big enough to hold our feelings, they become less scary. What's scary is if we're met constantly with people trying to talk us out of our feelings, out of their own fear of being overwhelmed by somebody's feelings. And, you know, if somebody can say to you, I hear that you're sad, and how about if we take a walk together? Or I know that the holidays are a difficult time for you. So what would you think about meeting for coffee? The other thing Milk Queen finds essential for mental health is a sense of purpose. I'm always asking people to think about where or how they can cultivate a sense of purpose. And so if it's a tough year for you, but you have a neighbor across the street who might be delighted by some cookies, could you bake cookies and deliver cookies and have a sense of purpose that you brought joy to somebody else? That doesn't deny the fact that it's a difficult time for you, but it means it's not only a difficult time for you. You you are also capable of bringing joy to others. And there's such strength and mental health that can come from that. And that purpose can be loving on your family, yourself, a friend, caring for your pet, your houseplants, working, your faith, anything that gives you a reason to get out of bed. These many pandemic-affected months have been called, among other things, a collective trauma. We've all experienced some effects, and those of us with depression, anxiety, and other challenges perhaps more so. But it's not over yet. Dr. Mulqueen believes there will be additional psychological fallout in the future. Again, she made these comments a full year ago, though many will find them still accurate and timely today. One of the things I keep talking about with my own patients is that, you know, we're we're not at the P yet in PTSD for the pandemic. We're not post. We're still in it. So we don't know what the full implications are on our mental health and psyches. And we should not be quick to rush to judgment about that. We are still experiencing it, and we are still trying to figure out how to manage it. And it has taken a toll that we know, but we're not at the P yet. We're not at post as much as we'd like to be. And, you know, a big part of what makes this so difficult is the not knowing. All the not knowing is really stressful for those of us with easily activated anxiety or fight-flight-freeze responses. Extended stays in those states is leaving a lot of us just depleted going into the holidays. And the calendar keeps marching on, and, and it's not going to be that there is a date that we can circle and say, 
and now it's over. So I think we have to be kind to ourselves and know that we are living through something extraordinary and we need to be honest about that and try to keep ourselves moving forward and being safe. And in the midst of all this, Mulqueen warns we can compound depression and anxiety by urging or expecting people to find joy, to count their blessings, or to be in a celebratory mood. She says it's not so much that misery loves company, but that misery deserves understanding. And I think there's two major components to that. I mean, one is that we confuse listening with agreement. So I can hear that the holidays are going to be hard for you. It doesn't mean I necessarily have to agree that it's as bleak and awful and terrible as you're telling me. You know, and people will say, well, you know, I just look at the glass half full. I'm an optimistic, blah, blah, blah. Without understanding that, then what you're implying or directly saying to the other person is that they're wrong, um, that they're exaggerating, that, you know, there's, there's something they need to do. When in my experience and my training is that, you know, if we can be big enough to tolerate someone's feelings, then once somebody feels heard, they're much more likely to be willing to move to a different position rather than dig their heels in and say, you don't get it, you don't understand, yes, but, all, all those things, that the ways in which people push back. And then the person says, well, I tried, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> and the other person feels like, well, I tried and you didn't like what I was saying, so why would I bother telling anybody anymore? And they go into hiding with their feelings. And that their feelings don't go away. So what is the actual impact of not being heard? When you say, I'm really upset that I'm going to be alone at Thanksgiving or that my family can't come home for Hanukkah or whatever it might be. And somebody says, it's not so bad, you know. There's always next year, somebody has it worse, whatever they might say. How does that impact us? How does it affect our bodies, our moods, our mental health? Well, it's the shaming component then. I then not only have to to bear the burden of my depression, but I also am shamed for it. There's something wrong with me. We asked Dr. Mulqueen if there's a takeaway she wants to leave us with, and she went back to that concept of both and. I think that is a way to manage the holidays and depression and potentially have some joy. We don't have to feel like the holidays are only for those people who are joyful or I can't celebrate them if I'm depressed. The complexity, the resilience comes when we can say, you know, it's not what I might have dreamed of. It's not what I might have expected. It's not my ideal. Um, But I can be sad today and I can be, you know, joyful to see the sun, or I can be, you know, grieving the loss of not being with my children, but grateful that I have neighbors who've included me today. So I really would encourage people to move out of the dualism towards a both and. I just love the idea of letting go of the hallmark feelings, pandemic or not. 
let's just cultivate authentic feelings and try and keep it real. And then maybe we can kind of see what rises to the top, little moments, little glimpses of appreciation and gratitude that are real and authentic. I couldn't agree more. I think that it is a a nice reminder to find the things in our lives that we are grateful for, no matter where we are on the mental health spectrum and no matter where we are in our own lives and how we are being forced or required to celebrate this year. I think that there is, what do they say, not every day is good, but there's some good in every day. And I don't think that's Pollyanna because I think that if we look hard enough, we can find something good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, for one, am so filled with gratitude and appreciation for our listening community. I just feel, um, you know, my heart is full with knowing that we're all together and that we all know that we're not alone. Yeah. Thank you. We'll be back next week with a new episode uh, focusing on the power of journaling to get the ugly out. So stay tuned for that. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.